special. Wow. I'm really glad we decided to watch this movie. Uh, if you're just tuning in and you didn't listen to last week's episode, or I guess, can we call it last week's episode? The uh, last episode? Yeah, last episode. Uh, Sunday's episode. We had recorded that episode like less than 24 hours after finding out that Chadwick Boseman had passed away. Mm-hmm. And we both realized like it would be, it's like our responsibility to go out of our way and uh, expose ourselves to some of the art that he made in his lifetime because i have seen a few things i've seen black panther uh we watched the five bloods and talked about it but Mm -hmm. i mean marshall we looked into it and it had not only like good critical ratings but Mm -hmm. the story looked important and something i i didn't know anything about the story going into it yeah i admit that i had absolutely no knowledge of thurgood marshall or uh, his influence in civil rights, and I had no idea this movie was going to take place in 1940. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was first. I know. I just thought it was going to be later than that because <laughs> making a movie in 1940 is probably really hard to do. Like there were yeah, there were lines that I'm sure they were. I don't know. Like I'm sure they had to be like, all right, let's pull some of this back a little bit so it's not impossible to watch you know what i mean by that yeah and parts of it were still difficult to watch but very um, difficult i gotta admit um my impression of this movie you know i was excited for it so my impression started high and then it kind of dipped a bit as i through the beginning of the movie as i was you know realizing basically what was what the movie was going to be and then slowly just increased and then this movie stuck the landing and just really by the end i'm like wow what an incredible movie but as soon as i I realized agree how much of the movie was about josh gad (laughs) i was kind of like yeah oh man but here's what i love about that and what what i realized by the end that i loved there's not a trace of white savior in this movie at all, like Green Book or any of those movies like that. This is a powerful, strong, intelligent black man who is so from the very beginning to the very end. He is consistent. He's and so the a person role model. He for... is a role model to bring about yeah. change to the people around him. And I feel like yeah, that absolutely. is something I haven't seen very much and this movie accomplishes i don't know that i've seen it at all yeah on the top of my head thinking about it right now the way that they handled uh like there is a there's a line towards the end of the movie which i'm sure we'll get to where the lawyer that was like opposing them throughout the movie uh Mm -hmm. played by uh that guy from the guest yeah yeah i like that guy yeah he's good um but he basically says something to josh gad being like comparing him to Thurgood and mm-hmm. being like you're just as stupid as him and he uses a not great word when yeah. describing him he doesn't explicitly say mm-hmm. Thurgood Marshall but we know that's who he's yeah. talking about and Josh Gad is genuinely you can even see it on his face yeah like really really pleased with it it's a huge compliment yeah, to him I feel like and those moments just, can fall short. that moment could have been such yeah. a cheesy yep. thing but it felt so like deserved i feel like i've heard a line like that like that's the greatest compliment you could have given me before and i'm like ah okay like you got it but this this time it was just just genuinely yeah yeah it it was real yeah uh and on that i don't want to talk about him much more than this because i want to talk about chadwick Mm -hmm. but i went into this thinking 
I do not like Josh Gad. I don't really know why I don't like Josh Gad. <laughs> You're not the first person I've heard that from, and it confuses me. I don't hate, I don't love him, but I, don't I like, hate him. I like Josh Gad now. I like him. He now. was great in this movie, and I really, very quickly into it, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I can, yeah, I can be cool with Josh Gad for this role, you know? Yeah. So I just wanted to like, say that. He is kind of perfect because he is kind of like, you know, at the beginning, he's a guy who's just like, I don't want to get involved. Like, man, like kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that he fits that. But he also is open enough to receive the change. But Chadwick Boseman, here's one of the things I want I wanted to bring up is uh, his intentionality with the parts that he chooses. And this is something that I've been like looking into and hearing people speak about since uh, hearing about his passing. And hearing him speak to is like, you know, he wants to be true to the stories that he wants to tell. And that's very clear in the parts that he chose to portray so many like inspiring black role models and bring them in a more in, into the spotlight more in today's society to give, you know, like black children role models to look up to. And this is a perfect example of that. Like we were saying, like, this is a powerful character who sure is not, like, perfect, but is pretty, like, I, I don't know, can't think of a whole lot of flaws. This dude's pretty incredible. And to hear about what he went on to do and become the first black man on the Supreme Court, what an inspiring figure. And you know Chadwick felt that way and felt that this was a good script to portray that. And he mm -hmm. does an incredible job living up to it and bringing such a rich personality to yeah. such an important figure. And he does it in a way that is, I was going to say, I feel like it'd be challenging to approach a role where as far as going into it for me, I didn't have much background knowledge on this person. I don't have mm -hmm. like an idea of what he sounded like or a video of like him in court and what that was like. Right. I feel like Chadwick almost utilized that to create a role like I just I don't know how to explain that really I, while I was watching it it didn't feel like another role that I've seen Chadwick do before mm -hmm. but it felt like I don't know what the word is every role he has though I just am like wow I fucking like that guy mm -hmm. you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah like I just want to have a drink with that guy or mm -hmm. I don't know and this one though was just the conversations he had throughout this movie were so intelligent and cool that I just wanted to talk to him. Yeah. And I feel like uh, in that there's a scene towards the end. I'm not it, this isn't a big spoiler, but basically throughout the movie, the judge of this trial mm -hmm. is not allowing Chadwick to speak because he's not part of the bar. Basically, he's like an outside defense being brought in yeah so the judge utilized that kind of loophole and was like all right well fine you can do that but you can't talk and there's like a scene in the end of the movie where you see chadwick like writing the speech for josh gad to then perform yeah right and it's so cool to like watch him coming up with this speech and writing it down and then josh gad doing it in his own way but mm -hmm. clearly they're his words mm -hmm. and you can tell i don't know it's it's subtle but it's just really cool how they can do that absolutely well uh without further ado we should probably get into the episode at hand um and yeah the show you're listening to 
if you don't already know, is A New Lens. Uh, this project, Gary and I started to talk about film and television and other media that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. We're talking about Avatar, and we've got to, no joke, an episode that I think about constantly just in regards to, like, life and... Yeah, this isn't one of those, My Calvin has said spirituality. this before... And I'm like, gonna I'm gonna come in and, and save him a little because this isn't him saying as he said before. I think about this episode a lot when I think about the show, because that's a thing throughout the show a right. lot. Where the, sh- the an episode will come up and it'll be like, when I think of Avatar, this is what I think about. Right. This episode is like it just comes up. Yes. You'll I'll be yeah. contemplating like life and death, and mm-hmm. then think about a speech from this episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I totally yes. I get you and yeah. agree. Oof, I I really really like this episode a lot. I always get excited when I see uh when I see it coming up, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Um, it's fairly simple. Yeah. Um, we've got these quick bookends at the beginning and ending of checking in with uh, Zuko and Iroh that we'll talk about, but the almost the entirety of the episode is about Aang and the gang find themselves flying over this swamp and. Found them find themselves called by it and sort of pulled into the swamp, not directly, but they find themselves sort of trapped in there and they each have these sort of spiritual experiences while in the swamp. Appa and Momo get separated and are hunted down by <laughs> this culture of like swamp hicks, basically. <laughs> um, uh, but the gang, uh, well, Ang. Sokka and Katara come together after they fight what they think is like this big swamp monster they find out is um, a waterbending man who brings them to the center of the swamp and gives this inspiring speech uh, that we'll get into that helps Aang find Appa and Momo and eventually get out of the swamp. And that's basically the entire episode. Um but there's a lot to talk about, a lot to be excited about in this episode. A lot of cool world building, a lot of good character moments. This is one of those episodes that flies by and then you go, did I just watch three episodes? <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. It's like the pilot, you know, where all of a sudden you're like, mm-hmm. that couldn't have been 20 minutes of a show. Right. Oh, we do have a good opening shot here this time. Just panning over the countryside but the oh yeah um it's agriculture it's it's what do you call that when you sort of terraform um these canals for farming i there's a very good word for that people are probably screaming it at their headphones but um going over the countryside that's been very you know affected by human interaction for an episode that will be taking place in a completely natural swamp which is interesting. And that's where we're checking in with Iroh and Zuko. And this is still, it's its an interesting like middle ground because it's outside of like the palaces that Zuko and Iroh are used to inhabiting and like cities and iron ships and stuff like that. But it's, you know, way more domesticated than the swamp that, that the gang mm-hmm. will take place in. Um, and I mentioned to you that there was something that I read in the trivia that was actually like pretty vitally important and it's the fact that i i'm pretty sure you noticed when the first shot of iroh and zuko actually um on the street you know holding out iroh's holding out his hat uh 
you know, asking for financial help. There's these chimes, the blue spirit chimes, mm. and a cart goes by them that has the exact same blue spirit mask on it. And that's when the chimes happen. I didn't notice the mask on that cart. I did not notice that either. Because. Wow. So, I mean, spoilers for the end of the right. episode, yeah, I, I was guess. just going to say. But that basically explains how he's able to take over the mantle of the blue spirit once because again. Because they have nothing. It's not like he was yeah. carrying this mask Which, around him. On that, by the way. Holy shit, do they have nothing. They went yeah. from. Remember in the episode when uh, they're trying to track the kids with Katara's necklace and the woman yeah. uh, that they use to track them is like, it'll cost his weight in gold. And Iroh's right. honestly like, okay, yeah, like his weight in gold, no problem. Mm-hmm. Now they're begging for like copper pieces. Yeah, right. I like that Iroh, you know, this guy comes across and he's like, yeah. sing for me. And Iroh's happy to Great do that. Great voice actor, by the way, that guy. Oh, I yeah. love that guy. He oh, comes yeah. up a couple times throughout the show, and when, when he does, it's just like, yes. This is also I think moment. he does, at least. I know you've brought up that, like, apparently Mako, uh, the voice actor for Iroh, has a beautiful voice, and the creators were always he trying loves... to get him to sing, and, this, and he yes. never want to, but like, yes. this is another opportunity. He hates where to sing, like, but the creators are like, dude, you have to sing, and this is another <laughs> yeah. example. But you can tell he's like even, you know, kind of hamming it up. Like, he's not singing yes. full out. Right? But you can also city. tell that there's something in so there that you're like, hey. oh, you're actually good. <laughs> um, and like his big mouth, I always think about that. <laughs> you know, Me the, too. Yeah. Um, but I love that he's into it. Like, he's like, I will share art with you in exchange for money. Absolutely. But then it completely flips when this guy pulls, like, you know, a power card on him and starts chopping at his feet and saying, But Iroh doesn't let it. He completely disregards that and is just like, what a kind man. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's... So do you think he's deciding to say that? Or do you think he believes that? He's just so wise. I feel like he sees right through this guy, but he's deciding to show Zuko you can just let go of things. I think I don't know though. I I think you're right. I really like that actually because he's not stupid. You know, sometimes moments like that make it seem like he's like oblivious to the the nature of humans. But I think he totally gets that people are dicks, and if you look into their good nature, maybe you will turn them to the right side or something. I don't know. Right, it's a choice. Yeah. But yeah, that that that's all we really get for the beginning. And then we switch over to Aang and the gang on Appa, and I I'm really uh like <laughs> tantalized is the word that came to mind by this animation of Aang looking down at the swamp and the water underneath and, like, and sort the speckles of, the light of green shifting. in his eyes. Yeah, totally. Um and the, that in combination with the score, it gives you this sense of like, you know, a trance. And, you know, yeah. when he says, this I episode, feel like it's talking to me, it makes sense, you know? Yeah. It, I don't know if it, the reason it gives me this vibe is because maybe it was back in my youth. But this episode gives me serious Halloween special vibes. Mm. Like mm. Nickelodeon during Halloween when they're when the Nickelodeon symbol is like a bat or whatever and then they show the preview for the episode and it's got like that music with Aang being like I don't know what's going on the swamp it's calling me I could just see them like marketing it as a Halloween episode yeah and it just because of that me thinking of it like that I I don't know this episode almost gives me like a creepy sci-fi movie vibe Mm. you know Hmm. 
It's also got some great humor in it, though. I found myself like, oh, yeah. laughing pretty hard <laughs> Dude, in several Saka. moments. <laughs> you might want to throw Aang's in like, an extra yip. Aang's like, it's, I feel like it's calling me. Is it telling you where we can get some food? <laughs> <laughs> How does that never get old? <laughs> Hungry Sokka. It always good. It's always good. Hungry's good humor, man. I love uh, the the this tornado comes and knocks them down and sort of separates them. Yeah, Appa, Aang's bubble. Yeah, Ooh. so cool. And the the way it's like you can see it, his bubble like closing in around him. He's not able to hold it together. Appa's foot breaks the seal, and that's sort of when it really starts to collapse. And then just and then they just go flying. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. I really love Appa being stuck. But in all these vines and Momo just going and chewing him out and then he tries to fly away and just gets stuck again immediately. It's funny, but it's also like a good establishing of like Yeah, like why you can't just get out of there. Appa can't just get out of there and look for them. He's they're kinda stuck. And then we cut back over to the gang and um Sokka is really going at these vines, just chopping his way through. Yeah, and before anyone even says anything, you get this like, ooh, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you I know what I mean? the audio of the chopping. It sounds it's like, so like, whoosh, like Yeah, it doesn't sound like angry. he's cutting vines. It sounds like he's like cutting something. Well, it is a living thing. They are mm-hmm. living plants, but you right. can feel the living essence within them. Ugh. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> Appa reaches this roadblock of like a tree branch and he looks under it, he looks over it, and then he just, <laughs> just collapses. He's like, oh. I like it when Appa and Momo are together without other people because they have their own little like moments and interactions, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're very funny together. <laughs> they hear they hear like someone scream and it cuts away to oh. just this big, this big chubby bird just like, it's it's like a chubby little bird, but it's it's small, too. You know, like, yeah. how does it even create that much sound? Right, yeah. It's a good transition, too, like, because they're kind of flipping back between these two separated groups. And uh, the gang hears that bird, and then they go back to Appa and Momo. Um, and there's just so many sounds going on at night. And Momo's freaking out because he's got these massive ears and he's hearing it all. And I think Appa's fine. But he notices, like, he knows Momo's he feels, freaking yeah, out. Yeah, he feels for Momo. Yeah. <laughs> so he gives a roar. Everybody shuts up. Uh, I love that those moment. moments. Yeah. Yeah, Appa, surprisingly, would do pretty all right out in the swamp. Like, I'm not saying he would appreciate living in a swamp. Mm. But he's fine, you know? Like, he's cool just sleeping out there. He can handle swimming out there. Like, the biggest predator is that catfish uh alligator yeah cat alligator whatever yeah. and he just like what they call it yeah yeah he almost ate it you know yeah <laughs> he's good yeah. you were saying there's there's like a spooky element here and yeah uh you've also mentioned i forget what episode we've talked about it but the uh when they properly use commercial break cuts you know and there's mm. a really good one here where you've got the pov of this swamp monster which is cool with the, you know, vines. Um, and then one vine, like, wrapping around and asleep Sokka's leg and winding up him, and this sort of creepy music swells, and then it cuts away. And the angle of the shot is very, like, you know, stylized and 
pronounced. And that's the first time we see the monster too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Oof. Yeah. So we don't know what's going on, and oh man. Um, yeah, it almost stuff like that almost does make me wish there was like a commercial break. But I don't like commercials, so I'm glad there isn't. <laughs> right. It's weird. They should give an extra like three seconds of yeah, blackness. just the so you can be like cut oh, to black for a few oh, seconds. Wow. Oh, what's gonna happen? Okay. All right, bring me back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then we meet these these swamp swamp people, and uh, we get a very quick read on them. You know, they're talking like this. Yeah, one's uh, name is Hugh. One's right. name is Do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's interesting though. You brought up uh, that you saw somewhere that this is the the swamp people have Vietnamese influence. Yeah, so I've because I I found a thread on Twitter, always reliable, but it was basically about how um, the show uses like tons of cultural influences, even just for one nation. Like the Earth Nation has a lot of Chinese influence, but it also has like some American like industrialization or whatever. I don't know. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's not a real example, by the way. But <laughs> no, sure. Essentially, the these swamp folk have like southern like a louisiana thing going on mm -hmm. like but they're uh awesome. like the design of their i don't i forget if it's like the way that just just the way that they travel like with their boat and stuff right but it's like their like, boat their hats their yeah. way of life their like in the fact that they live in that environment is all mm -hmm. uh apparently i haven't i didn't take enough time to like find yeah. the it, uh reference but sure. it's apparently a, yeah like a reference to the vietnamese people and i think that's really cool whenever the yeah. show has like <laughs> something i didn't know about i'm like wow i didn't know that that mm -hmm. okay here's another thing that makes the show awesome yeah well eva also mentioned maybe it was the same thread that she saw that these are uh vietnamese influenced and they also have like um Again, this is something I don't know. I'm working off words of other people, but um, and if it's wrong, not to throw Eva under the bus, but you know, like it's more Vietnamese names, like who and do are the types of names you would uh, see coming out of Vietnam, and it's a cool like and then flipping just, like, of using yeah, them they like in add a way the southern like, accent. Who do I know that what's is over cool. there? Dinner. Oh, that that's one of my favorite shots in the whole episode when yeah. when. I, I don't know that guy's name. Hugh is the guy in the swamp creature. And oh, yeah. Do is the tall, skinny guy. Okay. The other guy is my favorite one. Every time it cuts to a shot of him, he's like chilling in the boat, just like, all right. Or like when he catches Momo with his bag, just casually. Yeah. yeah. That guy cracks me up. Yeah. Uh, and this is the point where we cut back and we get these uh, individual spiritual experiences um after being broken oh, up yeah. by attack being attacked by this swamp monster each of them and when katara is attacked by the way sorry to cut you off but i wrote this down earlier i think it happened but throughout the whole episode her water bending is oh. masterful now yeah absolutely. like she's so fast with she's using these she like thin, <laughs> these thin streams of water to cut through she uses it's a move so cool. later on that is oh yeah incredible <laughs> um yeah but uh she sees her mother yeah, this moment sucks. It's so heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. It really sucks. Like, she, they don't yeah. play it off as, like, a, 
she realizes it's a ghost and, and like, or oh, a, some kind of a illusion. figment of her imagination. Yeah. She is crippled by the experience yeah. for a good few minutes. She sees her, turns her around, and it's a stump. And she breaks down crying, and we just cut away. And the, like, intensity of that moment, uh, the emotion of that moment is, like, that didn't just, you know, fade away. Like, she was... That that was a big emotional moment for Katara. She thought she saw her dead mother. Oh, yeah. I can't believe they do that. You know, it almost it feels, feels like <laughs> it almost feels like then going to Sokka, who sees Yue, who he like kind of had a thing with for like maybe a week tops, <laughs> who turned into the moon. Like, yeah, that's why she had to say. But it's uh, like. You could have saved me, or doesn't she yeah, say something like that? Sure, yeah, that right. is what adds the the emotional yeah, toll, right? But you're right. so right. Like if they wouldn't have said that, it would have been like, oh, uh, what was your name again? <laughs> oh, that chick I thought was hot. <laughs> no, but like they had a connection. We 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 talked about that at the end of season one. Um, but yeah, and then and then you've got Ang, uh, seeing some, uh, well dressed little girl. And just a flying pig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I honestly don't remember what's up with the flying pig. I don't remember. It'll be contextualized. It yeah. will make sense. But right now, it doesn't. <laughs> I love that. Well, it does because the show has tons of animals that are like... Right, sure. Which is also <laughs> an another thing pig. that this episode does really in a funny way. I think it's Do who says something about wondering if Limu is going to taste a, like a swamp. <laughs> Swamp possum or possum uh, uh, possum chicken, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, everything tastes like possum chicken. Yeah. And then later, when Sokka's eating it, he's like, mm, this kind of tastes like Arctic roost or Arctic hen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tastes like chicken. And then we actually see that they're waterbenders. We've already referenced it, but they use these like yeah. waterbending fan boats, basically. You so know? cool. Ooh. This is the way that they like spin their arms around yeah. to make. Oh, it's so cool. And it's such a cool, like, we've thought to this point, and honestly, sometimes I forget that it's not only this way, that there's only waterbenders at the North and South Pole, you know? Yeah. Um, And we here we have another, oh, it just fits so perfectly. It just slots so perfectly into this world that they've established. This culture of people who live, are waterbenders that live in a swamp. It just, it's just so perfect. Um. Do you think there are more? I think so. I I I mean there's there've got to be other water Like bending. I wonder if it's like uh if the people in this swamp don't even other than Hugh at least cuz Hugh knows what's up. He's like connected mm. to it. But I wonder if maybe they're all unknowingly like maybe they're like 120 years old and they don't even like realize it and they're keepers of the swamp because in my head I'm thinking, well who's going to have another baby in this in this village of people aren't mm-hmm. they all dudes right you know we didn't see any women so i'm wondering is there a whole village or maybe they're you know mm-hmm. that's it and they're like these protectors and they don't even realize it because they're just so yeah chill you know their right. lifestyles are so chill yeah they just like live off the land feed their <laughs> the animals that they work with uh they feed them with animals that they don't <laughs> which is yeah. I mean, I guess our society, like, we feed our cats little tins of, you know, meat. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, that's a whole nother rabbit hole that is not pertinent to get into. But um, 
um, they have this, they, they make their way and find each other, uh, because they've sort of all been drawn to the heart of the swamp where there's this huge tree. One of my favorite trees in media. <laughs> my I favorite know that's silly, tree but ever. I love this tree. <laughs> what a good tree. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, me too. Like, I, yeah. Uh, giving tree ain't got nothing on this. Oh, fuck the giving tree. <laughs> that book does not give great morals or set good boundaries for children who are reading it. But anyway, they <laughs> encounter this monster again um you know it's sort of and we actually see it fully for the first time it's got this like mask thing on it and they're attacking it and it's like oh my god like how are they gonna beat this like it heals itself the vines just meld back together whenever they're cut um katara breaks out this move once they realize like Sokka's like there's someone in there and katara gets these like saw blade it's so cool like this <laughs> either side and just like gives him a barrage of these like water saw blades oh it's just oh it's just so cool and perfectly that's one of my favorite water bending moves oh yeah absolutely <laughs> which is another thing you and i have said a lot <laughs> oh and when we'll he does the octopus <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> water bending moves <laughs> um but uh yeah, and then, well, there's a quick cutback, and I just wanted to mention the, like, jaw harp thing during the chase scene of the Hicks. Oh, yeah, the boing, 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 boing. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, there's another really cool shot. There, There's a lot of, like, r- interesting angles, which are, you know, take more work than to just uh, be sort of face-on at eye level. Um, there's a lot of cool angles in- involved in this episode, and one of them is... Uh, the guy's in the boat and Momo falls off and he catches him in the bag and sets him down like right next to the camera. This like super casual. Yeah. And it, it's like, it gives a sense of adventure for some reason, because like you feel it moving fast. And also it's like a quick, like, and you know, a very important item or person being placed right next to the camera and you can still see him. And he does it so smoothly too. Yeah. His look on his face is so awesome. Yeah. And then we cut over and they find they they finally get this guy out of these out of this like monster thing they've been fighting. And we realize he's a waterbender who's been bending the water in the vines because this swamp is so, you know, the the vines inhabit the water. They're so saturated that he can basically just use them. Waterbend them. Waterbend yeah. them. It's oh I, I water bend the water in the vines. Oh, so cool. <laughs> Sokka through this whole, like, this whole speech is, it, through this whole episode is just like, there's nothing mystical going on. It's like, uh, eh, take a look around, dude. We got pulled down here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's this speech that I think about constantly. Um, where he reached enlightenment at this tree and how he reveals that the entire swamp is all one tree. Uh, and he says, it's just like the world. It's all interconnected. We're all different branches of the same tree. Um, and, oh, I just, that that's All breathing together, growing together. Yeah, and how you can oh, stop so and just cool. hear it all as one cohesive living thing. 
um, I think about that constantly. I take those moments and think about this episode when I'm in the boundary waters, like when I'm out in nature. I pause and I think and I hear everything like flowing together. And uh, and he talks about uh, time is an illusion and death is also an illusion. And that's why you see people that were important to you are revealed to you to still be with you it's it's all it's all still interconnected and with you and so um yeah I, I don't know this like time is an illusion also allows ang to realize that he just hasn't met the person he saw in his uh vision yeah right it's really cool it honestly i'm glad that i can segue into this because i've been meaning to talk to you about it it reminds me a lot of the last season of Lost, which I just mm. finished. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Dude, the last season of Lost is very, very... I still was like, oh my god, The Leftovers. Mm. But basically, yeah. for those listening, uh, spoilers for the end of Lost. If you don't want to hear it, skip 10 seconds because that's all this will take. But mm. the whole last season basically takes place in a timeless right like parallel you know where mm -hmm. time is an illusion and it's that same concept of like the reason for time being an illusion is so that we can reconnect with our loved ones mm -hmm. whenever mm -hmm. and uh yeah back to avatar now if you <laughs> skipped that lost spoiler <laughs> yeah time being an illusion and him connecting that to death is something that i think about i will think about now for the rest of watching the show mm -hmm. i it's very important for us to realize this speech isn't just for now you know a lot of episodes in tv will have a big speech at the end of the episode that makes you go oh that's why this episode was this way sure but on avatar that makes you go oh that's why the show functions this yeah. way you know yeah. this is one of those where they literally contextualized like the foundation the show of the, yes um the influences of this show there's so th th mm -hmm. this is a profoundly buddhist uh idea of the interconnectedness mm -hmm. of all things um and you know his finding enlightenment this is basically the buddha <laughs> this yeah, guy who's buddha. a swamp monster i mean he's not because he like attacks people for no reason and like scares them but like he you know he, <laughs> he has found enlightenment <laughs> I just imagined Buddha doing that, like a Buddha statue guy being like in a swamp attacking people. Uh, I don't know why that's funny. Man. Scared some folks, swung some vines, you know, the usual. <laughs> um and then another like thing that I think about constantly is Aang realizing everything is connected. I know how to find Appa and Momo, and he puts his hand to the vine and we get this and he sees exactly where they are oh i just love that yeah because that's not only the connection between everything within the swamp but it's the avatars specifically the avatars connection with nature mm -hmm. which is something that um they talked about in that cool like pseudo pilot episode that we right. watched way back when yeah they talked about how one of their ideas for ang because the avatar is connected to nature there that's a thing you know like one of the ways we were gonna highlight that is throughout the show have like little animals show up and just be like friendly with ang like he'd have like a bird or like a dog or like whatever but then they decided to go the route of him of momo being like a permanent right. companion mm -hmm. uh but 
that's a thing. Like the Avatar is the bridge between worlds, not mm-hmm. just the spirit world in this world, but also the the idea of like nature and mankind. Yeah. In my opinion, in my opinion, oh, I mean that's kind of yeah. And him being able to do this just highlights that. Like he is, he might as well be a tree. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, I I feel such a connect. I actually went back and watched just the speech again because I feel such a connection to it, and I truly believe this is like the beginning, like the seeds planted for my spirituality, like how I connect with that element of you know life, and not, you know not to get too deep, but like this is seriously, it's an opportunity to provide that to young people. Because it does this in this in this show in such an accessible and beautiful way that it promotes, you know, thinking about those things in your life without it being like, here's a lesson in religion, you know? It's like Yeah, like as silly and probably uh hyperbolic as it sounds, it's not. When I'm looking for spiritual comfort, I watch Avatar the Last Airbender. Yeah. And it it's And that's yeah. like that's it's i don't know that's pretty much the point of this podcast you know this is a this is a kids show this is a show made for children and we have just watched someone speak the sentence time is an illusion and so is death what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> like, like, <laughs> um that but that's but it flows so well and it's so beautiful and oh. I remember this speech as mm-hmm. a freaking 12-year-old yeah. not being like, wait, what? Ooh, I was like, I got it. Wow. You know, I was yeah. like, this is dope. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we get this, once he does see them, we get this quick cut from this, like, life-changing, beautiful speech to this guy smacking on the boat saying, keep them gator, cat gators fed. <laughs> you know, like, singing that, like, <laughs> twangy banjo song. Um yeah but they they meet back up they get fed um yeah bugs that's like the grossest thing in the whole show to me is Sokka being so willing to eat that he's eating a giant bug yeah and then he takes a bite out of it i wish they didn't have him take a bite out of it and it's it's crunches uncomfortable (laughs) yeah it's like such a gigantic bite and it's just like yeah um and there are some of them aren't eating bugs so mm-hmm. he didn't need to eat a giant bug. He could have eaten like a gross fish, but I'm just saying. Yeah. He chose a bug. Yeah. So uh yeah. <laughs> and uh I love the the this culture of swamp waterbenders expressed that they're like, Oh, we didn't know there were any other waterbenders. We thought we were it. Where are you you got a swamp somewhere? <laughs> they're like, No, it's all ice and snow and they're like, Yikes. <laughs> like yeah, to them that's awful. Sounds, yeah. Um I just think that's so cool and it fits so well into the world that they've established. Ah. And it shows you cuz this is a show where up until now we have the Earth Nation, mm-hmm. the Fire Nation, right. the Water Tribe, mm-hmm. the Air Nomads. Mm-hmm. They are separate. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And this episode as we've kind of drilled mm-hmm. uh is about that being an illusion, mm-hmm. but also it's proven just in this. Right. Like, there isn't a water tribe. These yeah. are two different water tribes who didn't know they existed. It just yep. immediately proves that there is no point to the uh, boundaries of nations or whatever. Right. And 
it's cool because this is a kid's show. So they do that to be able to be like, the Fire Nation is the bad guys. You know what I mean? But they don't just like not ever address it again. They do that and then go, what are the consequences of a world that is like that though? Right. Why is that maybe not okay? Or what can come about uh, a spiritual conversation about this world? What could we even talk about? And that's just so unbelievable to me because they're not just lazily creating a world right they're creating a world that's effective and then going all right we'll own it we'll talk about this world right let's deconstruct it and really think about it and think about how like with these dividing of nations and with the fire nation being like the one that's instigating the war like these are the bad guys you might overlook or not realize that there could be people doing bad or unhealthy or dangerous things on either side, which we're starting to see in this season with um, Mm -hmm. the general trying to utilize the avatar's power. And I think this is the first time I've ever even thought this too. Mm. I'm having chills right now, Mm. but the whole idea that the four nations lived together in harmony, but then everything changed in the fire nation attacked Mm -hmm. might even also be an illusion yeah right. they might not have right. lived in harmony before why would the fire nation want to attack if they were harmonious with mm-hmm. you know the idea of peace maybe has never been realized yet right oh i don't know that could, <laughs> that could develop into a whole a whole conversation that maybe yeah we have a special <laughs> episode just talking about like uh uh you know the past of, of avatar past of avatar theories of uh the history of it and stuff but uh I feel like this episode, we got to get a kid moment of the week. Well, right before we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, it ends. I'm so with, sorry. Yeah, it's OK, because okay. we talked yeah. about the beginning and end caps right. earlier. So uh, real quick before I even say how it ends, though, just talking on the fact that they do this in a beginning and end cap style. Mm-hmm. Not only is that like not really a thing, like you would almost always expect them to go back and forth. So we don't lose that. Right establishment mm-hmm. but they start with zuko and iroh which correct me if i'm wrong but has that ever happened have we started know. an episode with them ever I'm not maybe sure. maybe I, a couple times feeling... but i feel yeah. like when that happens i always have a completely different feeling about the episode i'm mm-hmm. like oh wow zuko and iroh i know them now mm-hmm. you know they're mm-hmm. but then we don't see them at all for the rest of the episode mm-hmm. and then we get this little end cap where zuko confronts the man with the two blades who, steals his blades you know, steals them dons i mean all while donning right. the mask of the blue spirit dude this is so cool like not just how we now have the blue spirit again and mm-hmm. you know zuko's gonna have a lot more depth from this point on probably but just the way they did it the way they were like all right zuko and iroh are still here forget about him mm-hmm. yeah and he's right. back yeah you know it's also like Zuko has been detached from his life in so many ways and everything about, you know, his identity. And here he is taking back one element that was a disguising of himself. Like, this is an extremely profound and feels dark, you know? Yeah. And I think it's uh, a purposeful decision that Iroh said, what a kind man, and like Mm. brushed it off. Mm Mm-hmm. Because even if, even if we're to believe that Iroh absolutely knew this dude was a dick, and that moment is supposedly like a learning lesson for Zuko, mm-hmm. I mean, 
it didn't work. Zuko right. didn't learn. Right. He attacked him. Mm-hmm. And as much as the Blue Spirit is like this embodiment of separating himself from the Fire Nation, because when we first see it, he's literally like going against them and yeah. taking the Avatar back. Mm-hmm. It also feels like he's embracing the ways of like, I don't even know the word for it, but just like shittiness. <laughs> kind of anarchy like he's it, the yeah, blue spirit that's operates a, yeah, that's without or outside of any system you know mm-hmm. and that's what he's donning because he has nothing else you know yep he's got him and his uncle that relationship and now he's got the only escape from that is like this figure that does whatever it's want wants because it is without identity it is a mask it is just yep. the blue mask Ooh, uh, man. Yeah, I don't know how I how I forgot about that that final scene. Woof. Totally cool because it's it's small. Uh, but but vital. Thank you for bringing me back. You got any kid moments? Kid moments of the week? So I thought I did on the top of my head. I'm sure. Do you? Because maybe yours is the one that I had. Because uh, I. I didn't actually mark one this time. I was kind of figuring I could just choose one of the like several times I actively like laughed out loud hard. Yeah. Um I think it's just Appa at the branch <laughs> looking under it, looking <laughs> over it and then just <laughs> giving up flopping down. I think I'm tied between that and Appa roaring in the middle of the night yeah. to make everyone shut up. Yeah. So maybe we just give kid moment of the week to Appa. <laughs> Appa gets the kid moment. That seems fitting. I feel like we've already given a lot, <laughs> a lot of kid moments to Appa and Momo, but you know what? God damn it, do they ever deserve it? Man, that says a lot about a certain uh, voice actor. Uh, it's D. D. Bradley, Bradley Baker? Baker. D. Bradley yeah. Baker. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, because we almost gave him a kid moment when he wasn't portraying sound effects like when we he did. was a character we yeah we did we, we like, did give him that yeah, yeah. We like, chong is yeah oh man yeah classic yeah man uh well yeah i think that uh about wraps us up on this one uh thank you all for listening if you need something else or you're interested in like dungeons and dragons or something like that or a narrative uh more narrative podcast we've got legendary four adventures space vampires thank you gary uh that's those are posted every other friday uh and we'll be coming out with the next episode for this uh on sunday please uh you know we're trying to get word out more and more as we're like refining this show so you know if you like this uh you know friends of yours that like podcasts or like avatar the last airbender or you know like Movies from movies. the early 2000s, mostly, that I, I think we've been talking about because that's when we were kids. Um, you know, give, let them know about our show uh, and give us a rating on iTunes or any any place that you listen to podcasts. And if you're talking to anyone and they're like, I would listen if they talked about insert show here, then tell us and we will probably consider it because we're always talking about what's coming next, what else we might want to do and... Uh, you never know. Like there might be some TV show that we both have suppressed in our <laughs> right in our memories that yeah. someone will be like, "Hey, did you guys watch Cat Dog when you were a kid?" Ooh. And make me go, "Oh my god, oh, shit, Gary, you're you're doing that for me right now." <laughs> oh I'm my so god. sorry because okay. I just oh, did it for myself. I'm gonna be adding that <laughs> to the Google Doc. Uh, 
<laughs> but uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, the best place that you can do that, where you can communicate with us, let us know what you think, or you know, you can write reviews on iTunes. But the place that we'll definitely see any comments or requests or anything is on legendary4.com. And you can follow the links to A New Lens and then to every individual episode. And uh, Legendary 4 Adventures is also on there, as well as Gary's YouTube channel, my music. Uh, I think that's enough cross-promotion for this episode. Would you agree? Oh, also, if you're uh, planning on tuning in next week, we don't often plan what we're going to be talking about in the intro. But I think we both are expecting to catch up on lovecraft country on hbo so for, uh, if you catch up Sundays. too you might have a little more enjoyability yeah. in the intro next week yeah hell yeah well uh thank you all for listening uh my name's calvin and this is gary this has been new lens Hugh. <laughs>